The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Hello, we are now recording in progress. How was it going, everybody? It's Joe. This is Scott. We're back with the Astrolab. And uh, it's been a hot minute because I was on vacation. So Yeah, you were. Yeah, I was on vacation. A um, long, well-deserved vacation. Yes, yes. It was a, literally just break. Yeah, like, it, it, was, it was rather nice, actually. I went to Hawaii. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to mince about that. Like, it was, it was beautiful. Uh, I came back to 30 degrees in snow. You're welcome. I hated it so much. <laughs> he blamed me. I, I um, blame. No, no. I blame myself because I was just, um, we were, we were joking about us going back and right. we were like, yeah, it's probably going to be snowing in 30 degrees. And that's <laughs> what it ended up being. And we were like, uh, and at the time it was still like 60s, 70s. Yeah. It was and, actually pretty nice. Yeah. And then just like, immediately i was just like all right well then i'm, I'm good i'm like all right yeah. but the thing is the weird thing is so it was like straight 85 like pretty much the entire time we were in Hawaii. oh yeah well and see, that's the thing like you went out during a time that people probably don't go out there a lot you'd like, be surprised well it was... I'm, I'm, it's still a destination state right yeah like, oh yeah know. that's never gonna change but but, but their their peak i mean they're always gonna get visitors but their peak is during the summer when oh, it's like oh. warmer and yeah sh- you know so off their bodies and all shit so this is kind of the this is it's interesting because it's kind of the start of their like holiday season yeah uh but the start of their holiday season you have to remember that even in, during their holiday season it's still like 80s and sunny <laughs> yeah like it's it's still like it, they the most is it's rain they yeah. get a lot of they get a lot of rain uh and so that's kind of like the biggest thing is they'll they get a lot of rain but we didn't get that much rain at all actually we get no actually no rain uh and that was kind of nice. we got maybe like sun showers um but so we were there for a week and it was like 85 all the time we get back to california and it was like 50s to 60s in california holy cow and we were like holy crap it's cold so we did disneyland for a day and it was so stinking cold at Disneyland when the sun went. Of course, we were sitting out there at the shuttle drop-off waiting for our shuttle to come pick us up to take us back to the hotel room. Right. And it's like, holy crap, it's so cold because it's it's you know, the sun is down. It's like, holy cow. Uh, so things I figured out on that trip is I will literally never give Cedar Fair my money ever again. We did Knott's Berry Farm on okay. Friday that we were there. It was Veterans Day. And apparently they were running a special for veterans on Veterans Day. And it was insane. Uh, oh. it, was, it was so busy. We were literally there for three hours and we did absolutely. Oh, no. And it was not fun. Uh, and we made the most of it, out of it, but it was an eye opener to be like, well, yeah, I don't think I'm going to give a Cedar Fair Park my money because they they don't seem to care. They just kind of jam people into their parks and it's awful. It was It was not fun. Well, I mean, uh, when you have a, a business that I don't want to say is irrelevant, but pretty much is a, irrelevant except to a certain demographic, 
yeah, they're they're not going to care anymore. No. I mean, think of zoos, right? Like some will still try, but you go to uh, I, like four years ago when I was on vacation up in uh, upstate New York, uh, went to a, a zoo up there, and yeah, it's like okay, um, here's your receipt, enjoy the zoo. Like it yeah. was just yeah, it was so the weird there, thing about a lack of care. The weird thing about all this is that like Disneyland on Thursday was crowded. It was pretty crowded. Okay. I won't give, we'll give that. It was crowded. But it didn't feel crowded. Like that's good. We they they seem to understand how to how to manage flow control and crowd control much better than just literally anybody else. And um we also did um the genie the whole genie plus thing uh that they have now for Disney plus Disneyland. And they have it for Disney World too, but they have this thing called Genie Plus, where it's kind of like their replacement for their Fast Pass system. Okay. Uh, and basically, kind of the way it works is uh, you pick off time that you're going to ride a certain ride or whatnot, and you go back at that time and you get in through the Lightning Lane and you get to go, you know, a little bit. You don't have to wait as long or whatnot, oh, but you can only use one of them at a time. So right. like you say, okay, well, I'm starting my day here at the park and we're all going to ride, uh, say, uh, Pirates Pirates of the Caribbean. Or we're going to ride that first. Sure. And we're given from this time to this time to get to the ride. Like, and so it's like, oh, at 9.15, whatever, we can go ride Pirates of the Caribbean. So the way it works is you, once you scan your passes, though, this is the thing they don't they don't actually tell you. It's kind of have the thing you have to kind of work out for yourself and kind of have that whole super user aspect of it where you kind of get understand how best to maximize your usage of it. Right. Once you scan your pass off of your app and your phone for the fast pass thing, you can immediately go into the app and go find another one for that's coming that that can come up for a different ride. Huh. So you can go, oh, OK, well, I'm already in line. I'm going to go find, oh, there's one for Indiana Jones. I'm going to go to Indiana Jones next. And you can plan your day that way. And it's nice. You can do that. But, um, and you can only use one for one ride, for one, for that ride per day. So like if you use your one for Pirates of the Caribbean in the morning, you can't go back and ride Pirates of the Caribbean with the Fast Pass thing later in the day. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And you pay extra for this. It's an extra functionality. Uh, The only ride, there's only one ride in Disneyland that is not part that so there are some rides that don't have lightning lane stuff like i i use pirates of the caribbean and, and it's a bad example because actually pirates of the caribbean doesn't have a lightning lane they have a, they only have a standby line oh uh but like the matterhorn let's say the matterhorn is like your example wait and that's a new social media platform oh, no, <laughs> no. um but the only ride in uh disneyland that you ha- if you have the genie plus that you can't use it on but you can you, you can pay an additional amount to have a lightning lane pass for that is Rise of the Resistance. And it's just because it's such a high demand ride. Uh, and, and that's if the damn thing is up. It was down like most of the day that we were there. And we weren't going to go stand at the standby line for that. That The standby line is always nuts for that ride. Uh, we did it in Florida twice. And I think we were happy with that. It's a cool ride. It's like the, the probably the one of the coolest Star Wars experiences that exists. But it's also like one of the most highly technical rides that exists in those parks. Right. Like the most technologically advanced rides that it breaks down a lot. <laughs> well, you like, know what else people don't have to pay extra for? 
Twitter. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, assuming how they uh, capture our podcast, they don't have to pay. Their podcasts are listening to us on. So as you're listening, please make sure you hit your like or subscribe or That's save. Right. That way you get updates from us because while we don't have a show on a regular schedule like other shows, um, yeah, you know, we're, we're more of a conversation-based show as we've grown and matured as a podcast. Yeah. Uh, we we want to make sure that you know we get in your ears uh, for this. That um, sounded gross. Yeah, <laughs> get in your ears is tight. <laughs> God damn it! I was just about to say same thing. <laughs> wow, that's but, but awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make make sure you set up those notification uh, ringy dingies, and uh, that way you get to know when we're when we're up with a new show. But yeah, no, dude, that man, I I can't say I don't envy you because I do. Like yeah, you, it was. You went out and did a lot of stuff, and you you kind of mentioned it to me you kind of did the right thing where you stopped in California instead of coming all the way back yeah, to Ohio. That's that way you didn't have thing. all that jet jet lag to deal mm-hmm. with. Yeah, that was that was big. We were because we were in California for uh, let's see, we flew into California on a Tuesday and we left on a Saturday. Uh, and even then, like when we got home that Saturday, like we crashed like super hard. Oh sure, like we were we were dead. Like it was, it was it was because let's see, we we woke up at three in the morning, uh, Pacific time. It was three in the morning Pacific time. Uh, got to got to the airport. Well, dropped off our rental car. Uh, took the shuttle to the airport to LAX from the rental car place. Got checked in, got our, well, I mean, we were already checked in, but like we, we got sat down and waited for the plane, got on a plane that was about an hour flight to Las Vegas. Uh, and then like a two hour layover in Las Vegas. And then another flight to back to Indianapolis where we were, where our car was. And yeah, uh, it was like factoring in like the time changes and all that stuff. Like the second flight left at like eight o'clock in the morning and we technically arrived with the time change at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So yeah. Uh, and that was, that was rough, but the flight from Phoenix to Hawaii to Honolulu was like five and a half, six hours or so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About, about six, six, six and a half hours. Yeah. It was, it was a long flight uh, and it was about the same coming back. It was about five and a half, six hours coming back. Uh, it was, it was fine. We had a good, <laughs> I would, I would go back there in a heartbeat. It was, it was so much. It's, it's one of those places that uh, it's absolutely just stunningly beautiful. And we had a car. It's, it's, I definitely recommend if you go, go get getting a car uh, for at least a couple days that you're there. Okay. Maybe not all the days, but a couple days. Cause it actually just takes absolutely no time at all to, to drive around the Island. Like it's not a, like Oahu, like, which is basically like kind of where most of the stuff is. Like that's where Waikiki is. And that's where, um like honolulu is right yeah yeah that's honolulu and so like you can drive around most of that island pretty quickly like it doesn't take that long uh and you can kind of see most of the stuff but the reason to drive is to have access to be able to go see some of the local go access some of the local foods mm-hmm. and local restaurants uh because there's a lot of stuff up around like the north shore area that's like really really good as far as food wise is concerned like there's a lot of places around that area that are just absolutely fantastic awesome. and um, a lot of food trucks up in that area area uh so there's a whole like mess of food trucks up in that area and it's 
So um, the, just like home, there's a yeah. whole massive food truck. Yeah, yeah, but like they're like <laughs> they've got a couple that are like they've got a bunch. They got a whole park of them that are like a bunch of permanent fixtures that are there every day, and because they all built up around this single uh, truck, it's a uh, yeah, Giovanni shrimp, uh, and they they are one of the ones that sell like the garlic buttered shrimp, and so yeah, it's like a kind of a big deal there. It's kind of weird having been there and not being much as much of a seafood eater. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm not much of a seafood eater. Um, just doesn't really do much for me, but so it's like missing out a little bit on some of the things like uh, they have a lot of like pokey pokey bars, uh, which are like the fish bowls and stuff like that. Um, missing out a little bit on some of that uh, here or there, but it was, um, it was nice. Like there was good food everywhere we went I can't complain about much, any of it. Real food was all just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Were you inspired you know? to make a new magic deck based on your your trip? No, no. I, I checked out as uh, magic. It was kind of you, much as I could. Like, you you disconnected. Good job. Uh, kinda, yeah. I mean, I I vaguely like it was kind of like weird for me getting back because I was like, oh crap, I got to write an article when I get back. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, I guess I have to, well, and I was like, I already knew what I was going to be writing about because I already knew mostly that I was going to be writing about uh, Rob's uh, Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy uh, event. Right. Which I think Steve went to that, right? Yeah, yeah, Steve went yeah. to that. And I was like, oh, I'm already going to be writing about the Buffalo Chicken Dip Open. But then like, I was like, oh crap, there's a set review. I was like, I have to actually look at the set and figure out what actually <laughs> is good in this set from a legacy stamp. And uh, there's some, there's some bangers in this set. I'm sure they're like, there are there's some, there's some bangers in the set, but there's some good cards here or there. But I think obviously like, as we've seen already, the best cards to come out this week were not from the Brothers War. <laughs> <laughs> they were from Commander Legends, uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate, and uh, those yeah, two cards. Thanks, Moto. <laughs> yep, because those cards have not were not on Magic Online yet, and those cards were um, White Plume Adventurer and Season Dungeon. And yeah, those. So apparently today, uh, Challenge was won today by a Mono White uh, Stompy deck, uh, and actually it was my good friend uh, Peter Vanderham. Who won with it? And uh, yeah, just a straight running four copies of White Plume Adventure and four copies of Season Dungeoneer. Uh, and if, for people that don't know what these cards do, uh, White Plume Adventure is the cheapest initiative card in the entire set. Uh, and what I mean by cheapest, it's the cheapest mana cost wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the only three CMC uh, initiative card in the entire set. Because <laughs> uh, it's two and a white. Uh, for a creature orc cleric, there's a type line you don't see too much of, right? Yeah, right. Got a white creature, no less. So it's a three three. Uh, when I was about you to take the initiative, and at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, yeah, you want to tap a creature you control. If you've completed a dungeon, untap all creatures you control instead. The latter half of that is kind of just flavor text. Uh, you're probably not getting to a point where untapping all your creatures is a thing. <laughs> No, you're like the most you're going to have is what maybe three creatures on the board, probably. Uh, it's not just that, it's it's your opponent's probably going to be dead before well, sure, they, but... this becomes relevant. <laughs> uh, like, so the sinking cat, the thing comes down on turn. Uh, I think it's like that, that's the thing, like it's a three drop, so ancient tomb plus mana rock, either uh, mox diamond, crumb mox, or lotus petal, whatever you want to, however you want to put it into play turn one. Uh, you're putting this thing into play turn one. You're getting the initiative, which means you're going into the Undercity. Uh, and the very rough, very relevant half of this card of the Undercity 
is the entire left half of the card of the dungeon. Uh, so your very first room is you're revealing a, but you go get to get a basic land, you put it in your hand and shuffle. So gross enough, it fixes if you are in a, a three color deck. So uh, one of the decks that showed up at the uh, Buffalo Chicken Nip Legacy event uh, was a was the Naya Stompy deck that doesn't exist on Magic Online yet, even though these cards are on Magic Online because it has another card. <laughs> that is not on Magic Online. Uh, and that is one of the cards from the uh, Warhammer 40k decks, which is Moloch, uh, which is the X uh, red green ravenous creature that fights something. Okay. Yeah. So in that kind of deck, you have red green cards and you have white cards, and they're playing one of each basic because first room of the Undercity fetches you a basic. Right. So, and that's, that's pretty strong. So it gets you a basic. Then the next room, you put two plus one plus one counters on a creature. So you play this white plume adventure out on turn one. It's a three, three next turn. It becomes a five, five and it's attacking for five. <laughs> so he's yeah. not trying to, yeah. So, yeah. and then, and then, and, math. then, and then you get to untap it on their, uh, their upkeep. <laughs> so it has pseudo vigilance as a five, five. Right. That's pretty strong. And then, and this is provided, this is, this is just provided that you have done nothing else but put this one creature into play and attack with this one creature. That's, that's okay. Let's just preface that there. Right. The next room, they your target player loses five life. Oof. So there's 15 points of damage by turn three right there. That's provided you have not played any other creatures. Right. And or they've or, not right. encountered any resistance or... Or they haven't fetched or like, yeah. Yeah, no blockers, right. Right. et cetera. Right. And so that's the thing. Like, if your turn one is... White Plume Adventurer, uh, you know, you go turn one White Plume Adventurer and you go turn two uh, attack uh, and then go like Season Dungeoneer, uh, which we'll <laughs> to talk about what Season Dungeoneer does because that's also kind of gross. Right. Uh, so Season Dungeoneer is a four drop. Uh, and it also says when it banners the battlefield, you take the initiative. Uh, so what happens when you take the initiative again is that you go into the next room if you're already in the dungeon. So they could also just take the, you could also go turn two make a 5-5, five, five, put this other one into play. Now they lose 5 life, hit them for another 5. Now they take 10. Now they've taken 10 on turn 2. And then, you know, that's also, like, it's also a 3-4. So then you get to attack again for, you know, 8 more damage the next turn. A, a bajillion, yeah. Right. Uh, and of course, a lot of these decks also play... The, this one wasn't, which is weird. I don't and I don't think it's correct. The one that won was playing uh, like Stoneforge Mystic and like Thalia. And I think it's more correct to play cards like Archon of Ameria. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because Archon of Ameria puts you, make, puts you up really good against combo. Uh, however, you apparently just don't need that against combo. Uh, like, although, So my buddy John was the one that played the, the Naya deck at the Buffalo Chicken Dip. And I watched him on camera in Game 2 versus Doomsday and goes turn one White Plume Adventure. <laughs> And just wins the game on turn three. <laughs> Jeez, it's just like, oh my god, this is this is absurd to well, watch. The one you posted today uh, is running Chalice of the Voids, which makes yes. sense because you run Ancient. Yeah, uh, I I still also don't think that's correct. Ooh, I am so, okay. Yeah, I still I still also don't think that's correct. I think that there's I think that you're not you don't automatically have to price yourself into playing Chalice of the Void if you're playing Ancient Tomb. I think that you can't. Sure. You, you can just play Source of Plushers. 
Yeah, they got them in the board. I, it looks like they're just yeah like trying to they're, win ASAP. They're, they're boarding. It's, they're it's boarding got solitudes. Yeah, they're board. Well, they're boarding out the, the chalices and post board matchups for sure. Yeah. Right, right. But yeah, you could even have a uh, wandering emperor in play uh, at the end of their first turn because you're also running lotus. Yeah, um, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, which is kind of. Well, I mean, you're also running uh, chroma. So yeah, I, I. There's there's a but couple yeah. different schools of thought right now. There's the like there's builds with Chromox that have come up. Uh, there's a build with Mox Diamonds instead, uh, which I think I kind of like a little bit better because uh, Mox Diamond recoups. So what happens when when you have Chromox is sometimes Chromox is just like legitimately the most awful card in the deck. Oh, sure. uh, and that's just what happens with Chromox. But with Mox Diamond, you kind of get this uh, this functionality where okay, well I pitched a I pitched a land that I wasn't going to play like the, the, the Mox diamond versions are going to play like Urza saga, like, because that's a relevantly strong backup plan. Yes. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, well I pitch an Urza saga to my, my Mox diamond. Uh, and then I play like my, my initiative creature with ancient tomb Mox diamond. I go get a land right off the bat that recoups that resource immediately that you just lost. Like and that makes a lot more sense than Chrome Mox to me. Oh, uh, I should have my money. <laughs> yeah, I, I no, you don't. Yeah, you're probably but, right. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, it's this is this is pretty cool stuff. I'm it, I'm I'm excited. I, as much as I've complained about new cards over the last couple of years, looking at that deck, I'm like, you know what? It's kind of sweet. It's, it's I mean, pretty, it's even playing uh, Elite Spellbinder. So uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple there's a there's a couple bit about that. Like there's um, some back and forth on whether that's good. Or whether uh, anointed peacekeeper that just came out in Dominaria Jeez. is good. Uh, yeah, that, like, that card's really strong. I don't think we've seen like the final form of what would be a, considered a stock list with this deck. No, it's going to take some time for people to figure it out. However, I think once the the Moloch creature gets put onto Magic Online, I think the Naya deck might have more strength. Uh, and it kind of like you kind of get the idea what Moloch is. So it's an X red green creature. It's one. It's from the Tyranid deck. Okay. Uh, it's a two two with Ravenous, which is uh, the you enters with battle for the X plus one plus one counters. But if X is five or more, you draw a card, which is kind of just flavor text, like for the most huh. part. Um, but it, it, the relevant text is when it enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature and opponent controls. And if that creature would die this turn, you exile it instead. Cool. Uh, and so, but it's because it's a red green two two. It kills like non flip delvers. It kills like non active DRCs. Uh, and you can green sun zenith for it. Now the Naya deck doesn't play green sun zenith, but it's because it's playing four of these cards. It's playing four Moloch and it's playing four Archon of Amaria and four White Plume and four Thought Not Seer. And then it's also playing four Minskin Boo. Well, yeah, because I yeah. mean, what yeah. what else what else are you going to do with your Magic the Gathering deck? Right, that uh, you need to know uh, Warhammer 40k Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> cards. Yep, yeah, just just add all that crazy, just smash your toys together. Yeah, and I think I think what really ties the deck together is is um, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I think that's I we've established that that's a really good card in uh, in yeah. Legacy, and that card kind of ties a lot of the deck together. Uh, and it is it's a very powerful powerful deck it looks like a lot of fun and I, and I think what makes it so good is that out of the sideboard you get access to stuff like your red elemental blasts and your you know chokes and your the stuff that beats up on delver specifically uh whereas 
like you're really good against the the awkward thing is like you're really good against decks that can't take the the initiative back uh and i think that's really really where it that deck these decks are really good if you can't take the initiative back ever from your opponent they're just going to reap value off of uh, having the initiative because it triggers every upkeep uh and what's big about that is the fact that uh if you look at if you actually complete this dungeon mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that that target player loses five life is just the middle one of the middle rooms on the on the card <laughs> that's just on the left side of the card you go down to the next one from the trap room and it's you get to draw a card and everybody each and no matter what side you're on ends up in the bottom room which is thrown to the dead three which is you reveal the top 10 cards of your library you put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it and it gains hex proof until your next turn then shuffle <laughs> if your opponent lets you get to this they are dead like just absolutely dead kind of awesome uh, and we've already seen a little bit of this this mechanic in legacy because the the red the red one was already on Magic Online, which is a Caves of Chaos Adventurer. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's seen some play as like a two of in the the red Stompy decks. Uh, so because again, you put one of these creatures into play, and if your opponent can't take the initiative from you, it's a real bad day, real bad. It is not not pretty for your. <laughs> so I'm excited. I now I'm also kind of curious because I keep I have heard some rumor around on the magic online forums that they've got out now uh that they are extremely talking about the warhammer decks uh and what i saw was that they can't put this is what i saw on the one of the posts it says something about they can't put just the individual cards into like the treasure chest on magic online for the warhammer decks they have to just put the full decks yeah, that's what they should. That, and that's and that's ex- and that's yeah. exactly what they are think they are working on doing. Yes. So eventually, we will yeah. just get the full decks. And yeah. if they're and if they're in like the store, that'll keep the prices pretty capped of the cards because there's a couple other cards in the in the Warhammer decks that are pretty playable in Legacy. Uh, and one of the other one one of the ones that's making a big splash in paper events uh, is Triumph of Saint Catherine. Yeah, the uh, the uh, entreat the angels card. No, 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 no. Triumph of Saint Catherine is the uh, so it's four and a white. Uh, however, that's th- that's not a re- well. It's it's relevant when you think about the fact that you could just hard cast it in the game. It's just not that hard to hard cast. Right. It is a five five with lifelink that miracles for one and a white. <laughs> right. That that's why I'm kind of getting that. Yeah. Part, the, the miracle. Cost. Yeah. Yeah, it's a miracle for one and a white, but it's a five-five life linker that that has a yeah. five mana value, which is important because getting up to five mana, f- five colors for like prismatic endings rough. Right. Uh, they're now your your opponent is almost never going to be able to bolt this. But we we have the savior of legacy leyline bind. Oh oh well yeah sure sure. Uh, but here's the other goofy fucking thing about this card that right. a, a a two mana five five life linker would have been just enough. Right? No, no, no it's right? not. Not anymore. Right? Well, not anymore. This also has an ability that says when it dies, you exile it and the top six cards of your library in a face down pile. And if you do, you shuffle that pile and put it back on top of your library. <laughs> so if they double bolt this thing, you know, they're just giving you a chance to get it again. Right. And then yeah, it's that just is, gross. That ability kind of reminds me of uh, Avenging Angel. Where yeah, when a little she bit. dies, you put it back on top. 
Yeah, a little bit. And now uh, I said that I'm just like picturing the car to my I miss that car. car is so it was so cool. I wanted to just get one and put it <laughs> up on my shelf or something. Anyway. But so um yeah. uh, Max Storchen, uh Max Gilmore, uh won a actually well a split, but you know, he was undefeated. He played at a 1K with Jeskai Triumph of St. Catherine Miracles. And it's literally what you would expect. All the good draw spells of legacy, your ponders, your brainstorms, your expressive iterations, your force of wills, your force negations, your removal, you know, your prismatic ending, and your pro, and your swords of plowshares, your, right. tefer- your teferis and your jaces, like two teferis and two jaces, three snapcaster mage. Yeah. And four triumphs of St. Catherine. And give me, give me that snap. It is bonkers. And I'm just like, oh, this deck looks cool. So, so without looking, how much do you think this card was a month ago? Or I'm sorry, two months ago. Uh, I don't, I don't think it, it's probably like five bucks. Like I, I know they're oh, more now. Close. Uh, about six fifty. Okay, now they're like fifteen. Now they're almost tw- close to twenty dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty much. Uh, good luck getting it for anything under twenty. And as I'm looking now on TCGPlayer.com, uh, TCG Player does not have it directly, and there are only like a handful of stores that are selling. White White Plume Adventurers are relatively cheap right now on moto uh no well no not not on moto but uh but in paper okay in in paper they're relatively cheap um still and i think it's just because it hasn't really caught on yet um but i can say that like i bought some for like a buck or two a piece i oh look at stonks is that where i just i bought i bought i I bought a play set of each of white, white plume and um Seasoned Engineer just to have because like the Seasoned Engineer for like 61 cents a piece and the White Plumes for like a buck for like three of them and like 75 cents for a fourth. All right. So where are we at now? Um, I don't, they're, they're still around. They're still around there. It's going to be a bit before people kind of really figure that out. I also bought some anointed peacekeepers. Okay. Because I think that card's really good. Uh, on Moto, it's a different story. Uh, right now, um, White plumes are selling for about close to 48, 49 tickets on, cool. on Magic Online, and seasoned engineers are about they're they don't actually have any stock on goat bots of uh seasoned engineers, they're they're buying them for 25 tickets. Oh wow. So oh, yeah, if you open one of these things in a in a um treasure chest, honestly, if you're not gonna play it, I would sell it because right. you're, get your money back. Yeah. Um, um, well, I, I hope your investment works out for you because I, you know, I'm not really caring about it. I just want to have them. Well, well, no, my thing is if you make bank on it, then maybe you can use that to buy Twitter. <laughs> wow. That was awful. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not really too worried about that part. I'm just, I just wanted to have them. Oh, what the buying Twitter? No, so, <laughs> uh, no I, I, I think it was mostly it. I think it's, I'd really just wanted to have them. Right. Um, I might try to piece together because I have triumph of St. Catherine and my proxies and I can actually build the uh in your what my proxies <laughs> how dare you yeah. no. um i can actually build the the jeskai deck out of my proxies uh so i might might put that together i might i might put that together and i might try um cutting a jace uh for uh, a comet the, oh. the the dog oh my god comet yeah, oh, yeah yeah i i have one i have exactly one comet from, so from I, Unfinity. Yeah, so I might I might cut a Jace for a comment, uh, like and see how that card plays. If I ever get a chance to get down to Mason to play Legacy down there, 
I might put that together for a, a, a grin. I can also yeah. build um, the mono black uh, shielder deck now uh, in Microxies, so that's kind of cool. Wait, there's a mono black shielder deck in Legacy. Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, mono black uh, Helm Leyline. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, black that. black Stompy deck that plays like Opposition Agent. And, yeah, and Shieldred and um, Dalty Voidwalker. Does it play a uh, Misery Shadow? No, it plays um, Torak as well. Oh, that okay. Uh, yeah, it plays the uh, Torak Dread Dread Cantor. Which, which, by the way, uh, Misery Shadow is a great name for a goth band. Yeah. And I'm not talking like a parody of a goth band like AFI. Or this is your this is your um, your your ancient tomb deck that where it's yeah. completely correct to play to not play Chalice of the Void uh, because you are playing Dark Ritual and Thoughtsies. Oh yeah, you have so much disruption anyway with just Oppo Agent alone, and then well, Dothy Void Rocker. Can yeah, just get whatever you take or, just, or they or just cast. Playing like a turn one Shieldred against most decks is is pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, it's probably Ryan Lotus Petal too, isn't it? Uh, Chromox. That one's playing Chromox. Chromox. Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot more black cards because you have the ley lines in there as well. That makes sense. Uh, and it's it's also a Karn deck. Like it's a Karn deck and a um and you also you're your beat stick is Rotting Regisaur because uh, a three mana seven six is pretty good. Every, um, every deck's a Karn deck. Yes. Well, yeah. See, that's Karn works really well in this deck where Karn is kind of awkward in Legacy yeah. right now. Like it's it's kind of just okay. Karn is in this like position where there aren't a lot of decks actually playing Karn anymore because uh, Karn is hard to resolve sometimes. Uh, but it works well in this deck because you have Dark Ritual. I think that's what makes it really like you have dark ritual to like turn, power. Turn one Karn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I started I started picking up a deck that I'm kind of eyeing to play for I'm gonna try and play in the the online Eternal Weekend legacy event. Uh and I picked up a deck that traditionally played Karn, uh, and they don't play Karn anymore. Uh and that's uh Mono Red Painter. And they don't play Karn? Nope. Why not anymore? Uh, because Fable okay. of the Mirror Breaker, as it turns oh. out, is again a super fucking busted card in Magic. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the big reason why is because of Fable, and so the deck, this version of the deck, um, is built kind of similarly to how we've discussed how Red Stompy has kind of evolved over time. Yeah, we're we're, we're torn aggro deck. Well, uh, it, it's not just that. Prison. It's not just that. It's where your mana curve is compressed. So much that you're that you're casting three mana spells because that's where your mana curve basically tops out at, right? Uh, and honestly, it's like it's kind of true for the um, the painter deck now. Uh, your highest casting cost cards are uh, twin shot sniper, which you're almost never casting uh, because it has channel. Mm-hmm. So you channel it for one or red, and then you weld it back. Uh, you know because it does its thing when it ETBs and it does its thing when you channel it. That's the uh, one in red. You discard it. It deals two damage to any target. But then when it ETBs, it deals damage to, two damage to any target. But it's a reach. With, it's a two three with reach. Hmm. So it blocks Delvers. Oh, uh, yes, it blocks your Delvers. It blocks your DRCs. Uh, and it, even if it dies, you just weld it back, uh, which is kind of gross. Um, and then like Fury is like also in the deck. Oh, split, yeah, yeah. split between the main and the sideboard, but Fury isn't a five mana card. Fury is a zero mana card. Uh, yeah, most of the time. Uh, however, obviously, with what allows you to cast Fury is Fable of the Mirror Breaker. 
because those treasure tokens you make from, you know, your goblin shaman make mana to cast your furies hard cast. So yeah, I've, I've played a couple games with it so far. There's a really great guide out there uh, by uh, Callum Smith, who's one of the uh, kind of the big painter guys. Uh, and he has won several events with the deck so far. Uh, it actually is what won the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy Open. Uh, deck is really good. Um, I, let's see, my first game with it, I played against uh, Tess. And I just absolutely like demolished this Tess player. <laughs> <laughs> like just absolutely demolished them uh with the uh like thorn of amethyst out of the sideboard and uh they galvanic relayed it into an abrupt decay and they abrupt decayed my uh my uh thorn because they had enough uh mana rocks to do so to cast it from exile so they abrupt, they abrupt decayed the thorn and i welded the thorn back in the first spell they cast <laughs> and they were just like <laughs> But I think my favorite game so far with it has been uh, I played against Doomsday. And apparently I've heard this a lot and I've talked and, uh, and this is something I've heard on uh, the Everyday Eternal uh, podcast uh, because Callum is one of the co-hosts of that. But also uh, Kai Sawatari is also one of the co-hosts of that show. Okay. And he's uh, a huge Doomsday player. Uh, Painter is like Doomsday's nightmare matchup. Oh, wow. It, it is absolutely the most awful matchup ever like they just absolutely cannot beat that deck it's so hard uh they have to skew really hard to beat painter or have just like the absolute nuts like it's either you have the absolute nuts and you get there or you don't uh <laughs> and uh i will uh so i'm on the play against in the blind i go turn one mountain pass because it's like i've got a blast up in my hand i've got a pyroblast in my hand right. so turn one turn one pyroblast on something because my other land was the City of Traders. And so I'm like, I don't want to play this turn one because I have a painter in hand. If I play this turn one and my opponent goes, you know, turn one, bolt your, your blah, blah, well, you know, that's just awful. It feels bad. Right. So yeah, you're way turn, behind. Right. Turn one mountain pass. They go, turn one dark ritual doomsday. Oh. I'm like, okay. Okay. Then they, but it was a doomsday pass turn. So it was, oh. a pass, it was a pass the turn pile. A lot of doomsday builds are like that right now, though. So they pass the turn. I go, painter servant, or uh, City of Traders, painter servant. Blast your land. <laughs> they, they untap and draw and concede. Whoops. <laughs> they did not include a, they did not include a land in their pile, I'm guessing. They did not think to include a land in their pile, I'm guessing. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that was gross. Uh and then uh game two, they go. Um, I got I got into a point where it was like uh they put a baleful strix into play, and it was pretty early on, and I had a thorn in play. And I um, managed to, I had an Urza Saga and goes and gets a, a like a Lotus Petal and a Welder or whatnot. I had a Welder uh, game going on. So I cracked the Lotus Petal. I tapped my Great great Furnace for a mana, welded back the Lotus, Lotus, you know, the Lotus Petal, cracked it again, put a Megas of the Moon into play, and then blasted their Baleful Strix. Jeez. And all they had was non-basic lands. <laughs> they untapped and they conceded. Yeah. it's just abs- why are you so mean it's oh absolutely obnoxious and i love it it was just like this is no, so good it's, all, it's all yeah good. yeah and that's what and that's what callum has said about like the doomsday matchup on the podcast is that uh one of the best ways to beat that matchup is literally to put a painter servant in play and blast their lands 
Like that's, and I'm like, that makes sense. Honestly, like they're so mana hungry after they cast a doomsday that they have to have mana to cast Thassa's Oracle. Yep. And if they don't have mana to cast Thassa's Oracle, it doesn't work. Like they just lose. And so if your plan is blast your lands <laughs> and that's what he said he's done. He's like, he's had games where it's like, he doesn't even focus on the fact that they have a Thassa's Oracle. He just blasts their lands. Just, just play mana tonight. Yeah. You're, you're more, the, the situation seems like it's more them conceding than you winning. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is, but, but even totally then, fine. even then you putting a, a painter servant on play usually yeah. means that you can probably follow it up with a grindstone at some point. Right. And they don't have time if they have to build their lands. Oh, oh no, not at all. Right. So yeah, but it, it just, it, the deck seems so cool and it's playing like, like seven blasts main deck. <laughs> like you play four pyroblasts and three rebs. And it's just, oh, it's so gross. And like, of course, you get to play Simeon Spirit Guide too. So you, you can't have turns where like, oh, I tapped out to cast like this Painter Servant, but I've got a blast up in my hand because I've got a, a Spirit Guide in my hand. Womp. <laughs> like, thanks for thinking I'm shields down. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And so, yeah. And, you know, also being able to play Welder shenanigans and stuff like that is pretty good. But you're not playing a ton of like, so there's a pen shot for for people in the painter world to be like, oh, let's throw in this like completely uncastable eight drop artifact because we can weld it back into play, you know. And it's it doesn't it's not so good, when, especially when the mana like, base like what Sundering Titan. Yeah, I've seen Sundering Titan. Uh, okay, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I, I'm, I'm sitting here going through the list of like eight drop artifacts. Yeah, like... Sundering Titan's right at the top of that list. I've seen that <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. No, I have seen. Um, I've seen some really interesting ones uh, yeah. prior to Fables printing. Uh, our Roger Sykes uh, up in Cleveland played uh, a version that had that played green for uh, Once Upon a Time. So he was playing Once Upon a Time as a kind of a way to get um, find his like lands or his, like his uh, combo creatures, mm-hmm. like find a painter or you know you know something like that. Right. Uh, but then he was also playing like Magmatic Channeler as like a discard outlet for um to like pitch artifacts to the graveyard and stuff like that and like that was kind of a fun fun thing so yeah he had an actual way of like pitching those cards to the graveyard to be able to weld them back in for for the most part like you're not playing those cards like the mana curve of the deck has gotten so compressed now at this point like yeah. uh bray's apprentice is in this deck though that's kind of cool there's like a one of bray's apprentice Huh. Which is kind of cool. That that card's sweet. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a sick deck. I'm I'm enjoying playing it so far, and I'm probably going to try and play it for the um, the EW Online Legacy event because yeah, it should be should be fun. Like I'm trying to figure out. Like I was trying to figure out if I could borrow some of like the initiative cards to try and play like the initiative deck. Right. But I don't think I'm going to be able to manage that. And honestly, it's like I think I'm just going to have more fun playing this. Either that or just play battle with. No, I cannot play Battle of Wits for this one because I cannot rent Battle of Wits. It's not all access this time, unfortunately. Well, speaking of uh, artifacts having an impact on the format. On a lot of formats. uh, Yeah, because uh, now suddenly the card uh, Gingerbread Cabin (laughs) is being played in Modern. Yeah. And why is that important, you may ask? Well, a couple things. There's a card called Renin Six. Well, yeah, there is that. Yes. Um, that allows you to continue fetching until you have, oh, well, I have three-fourths in play, so when I play Gingerbread Cabin as my fourth land, because it is a forest, uh, the Energy Battlefield tapped, 
let's control three or more force. So obviously you're going to have three or more force in a random six deck. Uh, and then when it enters the battlefield, you create a food token. Okay, why is that? But wait, there's more. So now you have four mana. And sure, random six is on the board, maybe even Teferi as well. You then uh, cast Shape anew yep. uh, for three and a blue. You sacrifice an artifact and just reveal cards off the top of your library until you find an artifact. Well, your four-color Omnath Renin 6 deck doesn't have artifacts in it except for Portal to Phyrexia from Bro, bro. Yeah. Uh, this nine-mana artifact that you're cheating into play, uh, when it enters the battlefield, uh, each opponent sacrifices not one, not two LeBron James, but three creatures. Three, uh-uh-uh. Right. And any. It, it gets better than that because remember, if you have to ferry to ferry time travel on the board, you can cast shape anew on your opponent's end step because this next part is relevant to them. At the beginning of your upkeep, put target creature card from a graveyard onto mm -hmm. the battlefield under your control. Uh, it's also a Frexian, the other. So I opened one of these in one of my drafts. Uh, yeah, I, I got one one of the boxes I opened. But well, I, well like I like um, I was I, I I drafted uh like four or five five or six drafts and like three or four three or so seals on Magic Online yeah. this week. Uh, and I, I'm also like I hate the formats, but um, they're <laughs> I've heard mixed about them, and I've heard people say like it's fine, and I've heard people say they don't they don't like it. I'm on kind of area on the side that I don't like it. Sure. Uh, and I think it's just mainly because it feels like none of it feels a lot like you know, like I mean, you remember Abbotson restored like limited where like it just kind of felt like none of your decisions mattered because your opponent played some late game stupid ass bomb that just made every game decision that would took place like the past like 30 turns not matter. That's what I've heard about. I don't play a lot. Yeah, it, it feels like a lot like that. Like it feels like there's a lot of cards that are like, well, this is a stupid ass bomb. And if you don't have your stupid ass bomb, uh, you know, you just lose. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's cool. Like decisions don't matter then. That's, that's awesome to know. Right. Uh, and that's kind of what it's felt like. Well, speaking of decisions, not mattering, like that's kind of the opposite with this deck because it goes in that four color Omnath shell where all your evoke elements are pitched out of your hand and in your graveyard only to then come back to life. Right. With, with this card to just keep killing their creatures or planes. It's just, Oh my God. It, it just it seems so incredibly stupid it looks kind of kind of kind of fucking hilarious honestly uh yeah no and, and i i get it i get it to an extent as i um, said as i said already th this is functionally yeah. tinker and modern which is hilarious honestly i think that's it, just utterly hilarious you know what i want to do with it though because like my first impression was like oh because it's here's this deck kind of just this shell is getting better right yeah put it karuga uh yeah yeah, because I mean, because why not, right? Like, obviously, you're not getting, you're not renting sixing the board, or you know, right? Your brains yeah. out or whatever. But like, put this in over maybe a a, a fire nice or two, or a couple dead gones or whatever, uh, and then just five mamma jamma slam that in there. I don't know. I have to look at the shell just to yeah. see. But it, uh, if I play it, it would be a goofy F and M deck. But man, just seeing a card come out and bringing a, another card from like over a decade ago into an already broken shell to make it better. I'm like, can we stop, please? 
I mean, just good lord. I I think that's there's a lot of uh, older sets where that's going to happen, and it like you're always going to have older sets where there's something that's going to come out in the future that's going to break something in one of those older sets. Um, I think the biggest set that could possibly have those ramifications. Uh, there's a couple. Uh, I think one of the bigger ones is Lorwyn Shadowmore block. Oh yeah, no, um, I was just mentioning when Oath of the Gatewatch came out, it broke Iwugan and. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and I, I, yeah, that, and that's just because they printed a bunch of low cost Eldrazi. But right. what I'm saying is, like, every time like a set comes out that has some sort of interaction with an older set like that, but like I think the biggest ones are like those sets, like those weird sets, like Lorwyn Shadowmore, like just sets full of absolutely fucking strange mechanics yeah that breaking one of those cards is just like kind of just given at this point like how many times have we broken devoted druid it's kind of silly like (laughs) oh oh, yeah yeah absolutely well i mean we are going back to eldraine uh in i want to say the spring right or it's next year sometime yeah so yeah i would start picking up fairies and I would and any any fairy card you can find, I'd probably start picking those up now. I would also say that this also does point out uh, uh, something that uh, anything from Scars of Mirrodin block oh, it also sure. probably falls underneath a lot of this as well. Like uh, there's there's a ton of cards in those block that block that are just kind of bonkers. Well, that, not only that, but uh, we are going to Phyrexia in the mm-hmm. next set. So uh, go gobble up all your infect cards now, kids, just in case. I don't. I don't think they're going to print actual infect, but I think we're going to get like something that interacts with poison counters, obviously. And, right. I don't know if yeah. Wither's coming back or if they're doing some amalgamation of the two. Yeah, something new. So, I think. I've with heard what which I've kind of Wither, heard. that's a Shadowmore mechanic. So. Right. Right. Oh. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting, like to see what what breaks what. But well, and then like. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, this set's cool. I, I think the set's neat. I just don't like the limited format. Yeah. Like, no, the, I, I, the limited format just seems so swingy and all of like the, um, the, the retro frame artifact cards, sure. they're all cool looking, but man, some of them are really swinging. Yeah. See, I, I get why people enjoyed Strixhaven where it's like, where you're a wizard in a school and the mystical archives, you're finding this lost lord, whatever, right? I don't like, think half of those were nearly as good as some of these cards that are well, in. Well, no, not like yeah. you get you you get a random like demonic tutor or lightning healing. Like, yeah, and those were and those were good. Those like those okay. were like swingy good cards. But sure, I think but, there's but like not as swingy as like worm coil and or, or even or even like chromatic lantern. Yeah, it's just like kind of bust busted. Um what is it maze mind tome is good like yeah. helm of the host dear yeah. god if your opponent has a helm of the host you are fucked like oh my god yeah i have seen some really busted helms so i'm just like dear god and see uh, that's why i don't like those cards in the normal draft booster boxes because it, it warps that draft environment or the limited environment around them. yeah because like, they like, appear in like put, every pack yeah put those in set boosters and that's fine yeah, you get one in every pack. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, which is, I mean, that's fine because people who draft open up a bunch of Wormcoil engines, Wormcoil engine drops in price. Yeah, you know. well, I, and that's the thing, like, all the retro frame artifacts are pretty cheap. 
right. like uh, as far as like on Magic Online, and I, I assume a lot mostly in non-foil paper because there's the whole because not only that you also you not only have the the normal versions of all these cards, but you have the schematic versions of all these cards, right? Plus which... plus the foils of each, plus the uh, the serialized copies. I, I feel so bad for people that work at stores and have to sort all that. Oh, yeah. Catalog. But yeah, um, the ones I've seen so far in um, actual games so far, so I've seen Icker Will Spring a lot, and that seems really good because that card's yeah. also just absolutely insane. Uh, Chromatic Star has been pretty good. Sculpting Steel is obviously nuts. <laughs> uh, Quietus Spike is in this. Like, what the fuck? Uh, Quicksilver Amulet. Uh, yeah. Being able to put like any number of your like big stupid prototype creatures into play directly is kind of dumb. Um, I haven't seen too much of like I have nobody seen. I've seen nobody tried to make Jordan nothing this works. Obviously, that seems silly. Um, Why not? I've seen Precursor Column a little bit. Um, sure. Chromatic Lantern, Howling Mine, Lodestone Golem, uh, Phyrexian Revoker. I've seen a couple times. Okay. Um, like I have seen a Worm Coil Engine. I got past a Worm Coil Engine and a draft. Uh, and like pack okay. three, like pack sure. three, pack three, pick three. You get past a Wormcoil engine. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, wow, it made a lot of people that I, I don't want to. I, well, I mean, that's like it's pack three, so that's sure. like person passing to me, person passing to this person, this person passing to me. So it's this person on my left, my right, oh, did yeah. not pick the Wormcoil engine. And I'm like, what was in that pack? Right. Like, what was in that pack? Like, and the only thing I could think of, because it's on Magic Online, is that it had to have been uh, one of the more expensive rares. But then why didn't the person who had the pack first not take the, like, super expensive rare? Right. Like, because, like, there are a couple, like, there aren't money, many. We'll just put it this way. There aren't, there aren't a ton of, of cards above 10 tickets in this in this set. Yeah. Uh, but there's a couple ones that are, like, right there. Where you got like poor old Phyrexia is like 14, 15 tickets. Uh Phyrexia Flesh Gorger is like 20 tickets. Uh and I actually I got lucky. I pulled one of those. I had a money draft of that one where I was just nice. like pack three. I'm in red white. First pick, pack three, pack, for, yeah, I'm taking that Phyrexian Flesh Gorger all day, every day. <laughs> like, yes, yes, I'm taking that. It's 20 yeah. tickets. Yes. Yeah, the, well, not only that, but now you don't have to face that card. Uh no, it doesn't work like that in leagues, uh, with draft leagues. You're not facing the people in your pod. Oh, really? Uh-huh. No, you're facing the people. Uh, it, it's facing people across the entire league as to whoever's on. Okay. Um, but like Gix is also like 22 tickets. Cityscape Leveler is also like 23 tickets. The card's absolutely fucking stupid. And I, I've seen it a couple times in draft and it's absolutely dumb. Yeah. Uh, like that card just wins you the game. You were you cannot beat that fucking card like at all. Um, I didn't nice, get to nice play. <laughs> I, I did get, no, it only destroys non-land. Oh. Yeah, it only destroys non-lands. But like it destroys an island and they get a power stone token, but like come on, like it's an 88 with trample that does it whenever it attacks. You're not winning the game against that. Uh, I have seen, I think you immediately, I think the only way you beat that card is if you immediately have the black spell that exiles a creep, uh, which is uh, overwhelming remorse. Uh, okay. And I've had that cast against my creatures a couple times. I The one time I got to cast the worm coil engine that I had in there. Uh, they immediately uh, overwhelming response. <laughs> I was just like, or overwhelming remorse. It. I was just like, oh, I hate you so much. Aggressive. Like, uh, I had a I had a sealed pool that had both Mishra and the Phyrexian Dragon Engine in it, and never got to do it. No, <laughs> never got to do it. I was so sad. I was like, oh, like I wanted to do it so badly. And not only that, it was weird. It was a weird sealed pool. It had both of those, and it had the Mightstone and Weakstone in it. Wow. 
and I was like, okay, this is cool. You, you were like, living in the alternate timeline. It was cool. It was a cool. It was a cool deck. Uh, it wasn't that good, but it was a cool deck. And uh, but yeah, that and uh, but yeah, there's some there's some neat there's some neat like synergies. But man, there's some really bomby stupid cards too. Like, and prototype makes your deck building a little weird. I will say that like you you can just have kind of a weird uh, prototype it makes your weird deck building a little strange just because uh, you have to kind of factor in, okay, well, am I ever going to cast this for it's, you know, top end cost. Um, yeah. And there are a couple uh, ones where it's kind of like, nah, probably not, but I can cast it for it's uh, it's, uh, you know, prototype prototype cost. Cost. yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I, I find it weird that those cards are uh, cataloged, I guess. Uh, with their corresponding prototype color, yeah. So I, was, I was trying to find them on Magic Arena. I had the day yeah, I'm trying to find they're, them. They're underneath, yeah, each of the yeah. colors. Not, yeah, oh, so frustrating. That um, I think the best archetype I think that has been uh, pretty much agreed upon now, and is not one that I've personally gotten to see in any of the drafts I did, which kind of made me sad because it looks like a fun archetype. Is there's a, a blue white flyers archetype? It's uh, basically it's blue white soldiers. Uh, and wow. yeah, and the one of the signpost cards of that is because uh, obviously they always have these. Um, there's Yoshin Tactician, which is one of the signpost, the signpost on commons, which is the other soldiers you control get plus one plus one. But the other t- signpost card is Harbin Vanguard Avi- Aviator, which is the two mana three two with with flying. This is whenever you attack with five or more soldiers, creatures you control get plus one and plus one and gain flying until end of turn. All the soldiers are kind of dumb. Yeah, like there's some really dumb soldier soldier support like and that's you, cool because when uh uh what was it when was it brothers war that we had the yeah we had the uh the soldier lord oh uh, like, no oh, that was dominaria yeah or yeah yeah uh and dominaria united yeah um yeah people were like oh the sword the sword lord's weak like yeah no, we're not gonna fight well you know here you kind of have right. at least maybe in standard have a deck you can build around it there's there's stuff like ambush paratrooper and like aeronaut cavalry, and there's a couple other really good ones that are that are good soldiers that are just fantastic. Uh, Phalanx Vanguard is also really good. Uh, there's some blue ones as well. Uh, so yeah, like uh, retrieval agent and sky strike officer, and like there's some really good ones, and they're really really strong. It, it's a really 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 good uh, archetype. The one that surprised me the most that is interesting but i feel like it takes it, it takes a lot to come together and you have to adjust your thinking to draft it yeah uh is the white black archetype uh so the white black archetype is uh recursion matters it's weird uh so there's white black is basically recursive aggro uh and the way it works is that your big signpost card there is a hero of the dunes uh, which is a three white and a black for a three, two. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, uh, you return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield and creatures you control with mana value three or less get plus one plus. Oh, wow. And so that's like the biggest thing about the deck. Like you basically have to start, if you can build this deck, you have to build your entire curve to cast three mana or less creature spells, uh, things that have unearth and things that, you know, stuff like that. Because right. it it apparently is really, really good. Uh, and you could still play, like, some big creatures. You're just not going to be able to recur a lot of them. Um, like, uh, one of them that would seem pretty good was um, Platoon Dispenser. Because uh, it's a five-mana 
uh, four six that at the beginning of your end step, if you control two or more other creatures, you draw a card. But it has three and a white to create a one one colorless soldier artifact creature. Okay. So it creates creatures like it, but it creates creatures that obviously have mana value three or less because they're tokens. Right. So they're going to get that boost from like Hero of the Dunes or, but there's like like recommission. Recommissions one and a white for a return artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If it's a creature, it gets an additional plus one plus one counter. Yeah, like, we really pushing that type of ability. Yeah, it's a cool. It's a cool. Um, I will give them that. It that is a neat archetype. Um, the one I tried to build. Well, I also tried to build. I tried to build the red green archetype because I pulled the sign. I had the signpost on common for that, and it just never came together. Uh, it was. It's a hard. Apparently, and I, then I did some reading on it, and I was like, "Oh, this is basically like the least fleshed out like uh, archetype." And it's red green is uh, power stone mid range, so you're basically playing a lot of cre- creatures that make power stones, sure, uh, and then ramping into big, uh, big fatty creatures. That, that makes sense. That kind of seems to be what grueling decks usually do, right? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's not aggro. It's just right. like ramp. Yeah. So you want to yes. get like. So you have sitting, a few turns where you're just doing stuff. You're not right, really, uh, right, uh, advancing your board, right. So you were like, oh, well, so you want to get up, you know, stuff like Falaji Dragon Engine and Cityscapes Leveler and Boulder Branch Golem, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So it, it I don't know. It's from a, a I, I've played, I play enough limited to understand limited, and I understand when formats generally feel good and when they feel don't feel good, and this didn't seem to care for it like it's just okay dominaria had a great limited environment i thought dominaria united had a fantastic one it was tons of fun now i will note that like most limited environments like this is a limited environment where you probably only in like uh one or two colors like tops you're not splashing easily into third colors yeah it's Uh, actually like that outside of limited too i think yeah it's really hard because you don't have um, a lot of you don't have a lot of fixing in the format to be able to do that yeah uh, and it makes it really difficult so that's something to also think about if you're thinking about drafting or sealed or whatnot for is is that you're probably just going to pick two colors and you're going to stick to two colors because or one color with a splash because it's really hard to splash other colors like, right well um, the, the the go back to soldiers for a minute um i actually dabbled into uh, standard for a little bit. Uh, I was trying to get uh, Urza Demeld using uh, Storm the Festival from what was that Midnight Hunt? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I think I saw that. Yeah, I, I just for some reason I'm like, huh, I could put those two cards into play with Storm the Festival, then pass, and then do it. And I, I think I only did it once. But uh, so I'm like, all right, forget standard for a minute. I'll go back to it later. Started playing around with some explore just with the decks I have, and I encountered a. Azoria Soldiers deck that start out by playing turn one Thraben Inspector, then uh, turn two play land pass, uh, then at the end of my turn, flash in Zephyr Sentinel to return Thraben Inspector. Uh, so now they have a 3-2, uh, yeah. and then they can untap, uh, if they don't have the land, crack that clue draw card, oh, there's my land, play Thraben Inspector again, bash mm-hmm. for three and have defense. And I'm like, that's not bad. Not, no, no, not bad at all. It's quite good, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, that, that's something to keep an eye out on. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. That, that's very good, yeah. Yeah, the other thing I've been uh, looking at is picking up copies of uh, the official proxy of Magic the Gathering, Arcane Proxy, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that card looks interesting. Yeah. Like... Well, well, here here's where, and and uh, the professor mentioned this as well. Uh, like you can pay its prototype. Normally, it's a seven <laughs> mana card for a four three wizard uh, that when it enters the battlefield, uh, if you cast it. Exile target instant or sorcery card with main value less than or equal to arcane proxy's power from a graveyard, copy it, then you may cast that copy without paying its mana cost. So kind of snapcaster mage-ish, but slow because you're doing it instant speed unless or uh sorcery speed unless you have some weird thing to flashing creatures. But anyway, you're casting it for its prototype cost, so one blue blue for two one. And yeah, the fact that you know, it's a two-one. Like, well, there's not a lot of spells that are. Oh, wait, those spells that have no. Mana. So you put this in something like uh, Team of Rhinos in Modern, and oh, uh, I violently outburst some Rhinos into play. Oh, I got countered. Damn. Untap. Play Arcane Proxy. Did he get countered? No. Cool. Here's uh, eight power on the board, along right. by two-one. Go. Right. You know, yeah. can you answer ten power on the board before uh, my turn? Yes. No. Great. So. Yeah, that that kind of seems interesting as like a uh, uh, plan B in that deck. Um, right. I was also looking at. Uh, I haven't sat down and messed with a build yet, but looking at Teferi Temple Pilgrim and thinking of like just a mono blue control deck. That I had that card cast against me in limited. It has to be such a beating. It, it is. Format. It is absolutely a bonkers card. Yeah. But there has to be enough cards from Streets of Nukapena and uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty and so on where you can just play a mono-blue control deck where you bounce their stuff, counter their stuff. Uh, and uh, there's that saga from uh, Dominary United where you can read ahead and you wipe the board, essentially. Right. So, yeah, I, I think there's an, uh, enough of a shell there. But I think too many people are playing like a, a mono blue aggro or as the kids call it, mono blue shitters deck. So I'm like, whatever. Shitters. Um, right. Shit, shit, shitters. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, th there's some stuff that, you know, I, th there's a set that I kind of want to sink my teeth into, especially with what they've done with Arena, where uh, I don't think we've touched on this yet uh, in a previous show or whatever, but they now have gold pack. Yeah, so, I have seen that. Yeah, so for every every pack you purchase, you have to either use in-game currency or use real money. Uh, for every pack you purchase, I think, or every ten every ten packs, sorry, every ten packs you purchase, you get a gold pack, and that builds up. And once you hit ten gold pack, then you can crack them. Uh, and those uh, those gold packs have six cards that are uh, ones at least mythic, and the others are rare. And dude, um, my Christmas bonus is coming up. So I'm like, what the hell? Uh, Brothers War just came out. Let's go ahead and spend as much on this digitally as I would on paper. Undo bucks, right? And then using that plus some in-game currency, it was it's like I turbocharged my collection. I went from 0% Brothers War to almost 1x the set and one purchase. Yeah. It was pretty stupid. So uh, granted, and all those packs you buy, you get your normal cycle of rares and mythics that you get from just opening packs anyway, where every six packs you get a rare and every six time you do that, it's a mythic. So yeah, that, that was, uh, that was pretty sweet. I, I was pretty pleased. I'm, you know, hit that dopamine, I guess. Right. And, and started digging in. Um, 
there's some other cards that people are talking about, like uh, Lay Down Arms, uh, oh, yeah. a, a single white exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control as controller gains three life. So that's kind of interesting. I'm not sure how many planes you would have to have in the deck to make this work if you're not mono white, though. Yeah. Um, so that, that's something to kind of keep an eye on. And then what was that one that costs two mana and it taxes your, uh, where did it go? I was looking at it, uh, obviously not on. Oh, Soul Partition. Yeah, 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 that, that's it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Soul Partition. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that card, I looked at that and I'm like, huh? And then I didn't think about it. And I looked at it again, I'm like, maybe? So for one, why instant speed? Exile target non-land permanent. Uh, for as long as that card remains exiled, its controller may play it. A spell cast by an opponent this way costs two more to cast. So there's two things very important with it. One, it's instant. It's not your, I'm going to uh, enchant this permanent or whatever. It's not like a, a cast out or an O-ring. Or... So this card's in your graveyard to be flashed back later on with Arcane Proxy, Snapcaster Mage, whatever, right? Uh, then they have to pay two more to cast. Well, by the time they go to cast it again, you have a counterspell in hand. So you've like hard tempoed them twice right. in like the span of four or five turns. Uh, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on this card. They're still using Fable Absence and just uh, other cards that I, I think are probably subpar at this point now that this has been included. So, right. uh, I, of course, I would like to try that in Pioneer. But Pioneer kind of died. Died near yeah, around at, us. At, yeah. at least, at least on Fridays. It, I guess they still do it Tuesdays up at Epic Loot, and I think Gem City does it on Saturday nights. But like, right. I, like we're, we're recording tonight. Like if right. I would have went, we wouldn't have been able to record. So uh, Arena, it is. I guess. Um, yeah, that's it's awkward. Unfortunately. Yeah. Speaking of Pioneer, though, uh, if no one knew. Uh, there was a Pioneer uh, Regional Championships, or or just actually, yeah, yeah, Atlanta. Is it? Is it? Yeah, there's a DreamHack Atlanta, which is yeah, that's the regional championship. There's also one going on in Sofia, uh, overseas somewhere. Uh, sorry, I, I, I brain's not working right now. It's a little late for me. Right, uh, but it was essentially all day coverage of Paper Pioneer. And I started out and I'm watching it and uh, watching the Euro- European one. I'm like, okay, this is neat. And I thought it was Sunday. Like that's how <laughs> out of that's how out of it I am with like watching actual paper coverage of like an event, a, a, a serious event. Like this this leads to Pro Tour. This isn't right. just an NRG series. This leads to the Pro Tour. And I'm like, wow. And it's like, oh wait, we got mono green again and yeah i'm gonna go do something that, um, deck, that deck is going to probably not exist for pretty like, soon people still think nykthos needs to go and i'm like no car needs to go it is, they need to get yeah. yeah because with the mono green shell you can still build it around old growth troll and uh the the green uh elemental uh where the hell that thing was from the course at cavalier Right. Uh, and, and probably get Nissa back in there. So you could still do mono green rampy things to into some giant thing and bash your opponent. Do what green does best, which is stomp. Um, but you take Nykthos out. Now your goofy mono red devotion decks are gone. Uh, black will still try and exist somehow. Blue will just still be spirits. 
uh, and white humans. So like when people think about Nykthos, it's really only in one deck that's serious and one deck that's fun. So Karn's really the answer because then the rest of the deck can still be a thing. Right. Oh, uh, uh, plus feel to ruin anybody. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I think Karn is yeah. pretty, pretty dumb. Yeah. I mean, there are of course answers for planeswalkers just like there are land, but yeah. Like if the, the problem that I see when we have a deck like Bono Green Devotion doing so well is when players in the format are just so focused and have their blinders on what, Ever their other deck choices, whether it's Rakdos Range or Sacrifice or whatever, like Mono Green Devotion is going to use that opportunity to just truck over people if they're not prepared to fight that matchup. Yeah. Uh, like I saw someone play Azuria Spirits. No one's been playing that deck. It's either been Mono Blue or they go do something else. But they just beat face against uh, Green Devotion because Spellcaller... Uh, uh, the cu- curious obsession, I think it is, the uh, blue enchantment that yeah. lets them draw cards. So, yeah, they're drawing a butt ton of cards, countering their spells, and having enough power and play uh, that flies over all mono green stuff. So, like that, when you're building your decks and going to these events, you have to think all right, if mono green's been the most represented deck, instead of uh, trying to uh, rally up the troops to ban Nykthos. Find a way to beat it. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard out in these streets of New Capenna. Yeah, yeah wow. Look, look, look at that joke that's like six months old. Yeah. Or six months too late or whatever. These streets of New Capenna. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of interested to see what will be the next regional qualifier format. If they're going to do Pioneer again or if they're going to do Standard. I think that it's probably going to be Pioneer. You think I would so? Say, I would say. If they're smart, I think they would do Standard to see if that would boost numbers at the store. Yeah, I know. There, there's been that whole, well, Paper Standard's kind of dying. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't, I, think, I don't that, think we have the time to go over like possible reasons why that's happening. But like not giving the format attention is definitely one. Sure. I, I don't know that there's a good way to, to fix that, though. Not at this point. It's it's kind of already dead. Uh, yeah, and it was really dying before we even hit the pandemic. Right, and that's the thing. Like that's the problem is if it's already kind of dead, you know, it's on life support. You're not right. just embrace the fact that it's on arena, you know, and go go that way. Yeah, and that is the one thing that I do enjoy about arena is that a new set comes out like this, and if I want to dip into standard. Cool. I have these new cards. I can kind of poke around a little bit and do it on, on at my pace and not have to worry about uh, making optimal plays and building the best deck. And I just goof around and find something uh, and right. see if it works. And if it doesn't work, all right, cool. But I still have the cards that I want to try them somewhere else. Uh, where in paper, like uh, Kyle McDaniel told me this once. Uh, I think it was, God, I think it was at the Super Bowl last year when uh, I was watching the the game. He's like, with Arena, that card costs a wild card. Yeah. It doesn't cost $5 or 10 up. It doesn't matter what it is. It costs a wild card. And it's like, when you think about how much money we spend on paper cards, like if you spend that money on Arena, and I'm not saying just do a full switch and never buy paper again. That's not what I'm saying. 
Um, right. This is more being careful with your money and your expenditures. You, in the long run, will get more value out of things you buy on Arena. Sure, you can't, when you're done and not want to play it anymore, you can't flip it into wild cards or cash or whatever that you can on Moto. But uh, once you have four of the Mightstone and the Meekstone, cool, go ham, go go find a deck to put it in, whatever, even if it isn't with them. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, stuff and things. Bro. Bro. The best set code ever. Yeah. When when's uh MTG Dad uh <laughs> Death at Dawn? Right. Uh MTG Mom. What what would that be? Right. Uh um who's an M character? I mean, here he's oh Merfolk on the Moon. <laughs> there you go. Merfolk yeah. on the moon. Yeah, because we're going to space. Um Let's see. What else? Uh, so then we'd have MTG Sis. Uh, I don't know what that would be. Slesnia's for sissies? No, I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> wow. That's, that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> that is. That, that's pretty that, that is, that is, that is That's pretty awful. Wow. Yeah. Um, about, what about the grandparents? Got to get them in, right? Right. Uh, MTG GRM for grandma? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I got I'm really burned. I'm really reaching for for that. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, uh, things that uh, have letters GRM in it, uh, shout out to Graham Stark of Loading Ready Run. Um, you know, beat cancer, and that that's just pretty fucking. Awesome. There we go. Dude, dude was down and out for a bit, and the rest of the crew there picked it up and, and kept shit rolling, uh, including the Desert Bus, which raised over a million dollars recently. Uh, holy shit, dude. Yeah, it's uh, the, the internet is a giant cesspool of just negativity, but this was a shining, light, bright, positive thing for not only the magic community, but just the world at large. Uh, keep it up, everybody, north of the border. We here in Ohio appreciate it. Keep it up, everybody. Um, yeah. Oof. I don't, I don't know what else to talk about. Maybe. Yeah, like, I mean, there's, I mean, there's obviously stuff, but like, there, there's things that have happened, like uh, Magic 30 happened, uh, Magic Summit happened. So there's been some big events. Some have done well. Some have been somewhat misorganized, maybe, but not to the point where people are raging and not going to go back. Like People are happy that these events are back. So there's really not, not much to touch on. The Buffalo Chicken Dip, like you mentioned earlier, happened. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even talk about Diabolic Intent being uh, standard and Pioneer legal now. Uh, whoopsie um whoopsie yeah so we'll, we'll see if that really breaks anything i don't think it will yeah um the pitch meeting for she hulk was so was pretty spot on so it was it was it was absolutely just utterly hilarious and, and like so yeah i i enjoyed she hulk uh I, I will put this i am sorry that there are people out there uh who watched it and didn't enjoy it and I'm sorry there, there are people out there who didn't watch it and are still talking bad about it, but didn't even take time to watch it because of what other people... That, that That's really a damn shit. Yeah. You know, go go watch it, have fun. It, it's a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, and it, it's a good laugh. It was, like, it was, it was well worth it, yeah. And plus, we need more laughter. I, yeah. Like, if, if you can't find time to, to laugh, just, just find something funny to laugh about. Um, yeah, you're you're you can't go through life being miserable. Uh, we watched um it was it was kind of a nice thing. We watched uh Lilo and Stitch while we were in Hawaii because we nice. had to. Yeah. 
it was like we were thinking about it. It was like, oh, we should watch Lilo and Stitch. That's perfect. <laughs> they had this really cool setup in the hotel room. Well, not the hotel room, but the resort. I would say the resort because we were in a nice room because uh, yeah. it was the Wyndham stuff. Um, but they had this really nice setup with their TV in there. So they had it set up where they had a Chromecast thing set up and you could just uh, pair your phone with uh, the TV okay. and just cast from your app on your phone. Nice. So I was just like, oh, I can just, I don't even have to like bother like putting in all my login information on something. I can just pull up my phone and connect it and then just hit play. And <laughs> like, that's kind of cool. And so yeah, that made it kind of nice. I was like, oh, we were able to fire up Disney. So we were able to watch Andor at least that week. Okay. Uh, and then we couldn't watch the second, the last week's episode of Andor until we got back. Right. Because uh, of the, you know, not being able to do much in California and the hotel room in California. So, um, now, did you go visit the location where Lilo and Stitch was filmed when you're in Hawaii? <laughs> wow, that's uh, actually a different <laughs> island. Actually, if you watch oh. that movie, it's actually a different island. Okay, that they're on. They're they're on one of the smaller islands uh, for that. Uh, we did go up to. Um, there is a place on Oahu uh, that's called Kualoa Ranch, uh, which is the place where they filmed all of like the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World movies. Oh, okay. Uh, they also filmed like Kong there, uh, like Kong Skull Island was filmed there. All right. Uh, Please tell me that while you were there, that someone took a video of you doing the, well, there it is, the, the Jeff Gold, Goldblum gift. Oh, uh, well, no. Um, so we didn't actually do any of the tours there. We went, we went there and we went to the gift shop. It's free to go into the gift shop and, and they have a restaurant in there where you can get food. And we ate there for lunch. Uh, but the tours are kind of expensive. Uh, so they have a bunch of like interest, different things you can do. Yeah. But it's very expensive. Uh, and like when I say very expensive, I mean very expensive. Oh, I, I uh, bet. Yeah. So Tour, tourism is big business over there. Their, their two and a half hour tour uh, is $140 an adult. Uh, and that's their it takes you over to that's the one that I think if we do go back, I would like to do uh, simply because that's, that's the one that takes you to. Uh, so you've seen all you've seen Jurassic park. You've seen Jurassic world, right? I, I have not seen either of those movies. I am, Seriously? Familiar, I, I am familiar with the IP. Oh my gosh. I, I have Scott. not seen those movies. Um, wow. You know, I saw Jurassic park in theaters. $140 a person, uh, an adult. Yeah. Man. So, so like, it's so like counting you, your wife and, and your kid, uh, based on current prices. Cause they're, they're trending down. You could probably buy a revised dual land with that. Yeah. So, um, that's the, that particular, uh, tour takes you to the section where they filmed the, um, the Indominus Rex, uh compound in Jurassic World. Okay. Uh which is pretty cool. They have um a you have a there's a two hour um UTV tour like a, basically it's a, a you know an ATV kind of thing that you can go around. They have a a bike tour. They have um they have horseback riding uh where you can horseback you they have a they have a trail ride through the through the area. Okay. Uh, that is kind of expensive, but at the same time, what we found when we got there is like on their website, it's like, oh, this is a two-hour tour, and I'm like, oh my god, it's a two-hour trail ride. I'm like, dear God, my ass is gonna feel like literal jelly after the end of a two-hour <laughs> trail ride. Like, 
dear god like <laughs> that's just too much and even my wife said the same thing she was like she was like your your mu- your calf muscles and your butt are gonna hurt right after that. Up. right yeah. uh but when we got there they they also they had a when you get there and you're looking at their sign they also have hour tours for the horseback riding i was like oh well we could do that like yeah but that's also like 145 dollars <laughs> so Man. yeah all right so we're all, almost up to a uh, revised uh uc right now right but it's it's it is a it is a nice it was a beautiful place like the the, the place itself is just absolutely gorgeous well like, uh, you know you're talking about all these places to go and, and all this, the do tours or whatever did you get to see uh, Higgins' house while you're out there? Higgins' house? Yeah, from Magnum PI. Oh, no. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, they had to um, have been filming something at oh. the um, at Kualoa. Because as we drove by that, you could see just on the outskirts of it, one of those, um, uh, basically the base camps where all the like the trailers and stuff oh. are they're like their base camp essentially like where they have all the trailers and like all the various like you know um, stuff set up that they you know use for when they're they're sleeping or you know resting or getting ready to go out you know or whatnot sure. there was nobody around there but you could see like the the, the like the, the way that it was set up was very clear that it was for a filming of some sort and the only thing that we can figure out that would have been filming in that area at the time is there is an upcoming series on apple tv called chief of war uh starring jason momoa oh so we think jason momoa was there on the island when we were there (laughs) which would have been kind of cool but they do film they do film magna pi there uh and yeah that's that is something that is a big deal uh and i I was saying with that setup that's there you were talking about maybe it's for uh one of the Bayverse movies, because there's supposed to be a Transformers Beast Wars movie or something. Yeah, like um, they, so there is a website, um, uh, there is a website uh, that actually can, you can actually go look up uh, that will show you what what is currently filming. Oh. In, in, and there's some couple things that are like, there's a, yes, filmoffice.hawaii.gov and there's like a current productions link. And so, like NCIS Hawaii is filming there, uh, oh, like yeah. like Magnum PI is filming there, um, but they don't they didn't list um, Chief of War, but they may not have officially listed it yet either. Uh, but they um, did list like Hawaii Five O also gets uh, you know uh, film there. So <laughs> Inhumans is listed on this site. Yes, oh, yes, Lord. yes. It was filmed there. Yeah, part of it was filmed there. Um, yeah, Jurassic obviously Jurassic World yeah uh yeah jumanji the spongebob um, movie yeah kong you know like godzilla part of the godzilla movie was filmed there uh some of the hunger games like there's some they they filmed quite a bit okay uh, i mean that's cool so it was cool obviously oh well and obviously kualoa is also where they filmed part of lost makes Uh, sense so like that's that's another uh thing that was filmed at kualoa so it's a really pretty place like it's absolutely gorgeous place but their food was really good uh they had um they have they raised their own cattle and so it was 100 percent grass-fed beef kualoa grown beef 
Uh, and so it was absolutely just fantastic burger. Like, so yeah, the, the, the food was excellent. And they have a nice, they have a cute um, gift shop. Um, we bought a, like, it's kind of like, not metal, but obviously it's, well, it's, it's, it's metal, but it's like not like, you know, real thick metal. But uh, we bought a metal uh, wall sign yeah uh that that is the the east stock wall sign the east dock sign for from jurassic park oh okay uh, that, that's that was really cute and just a couple other things like it's a it was a cute little place to go to and it was fun but yeah the, the tours are expensive sure and i i would uh probably want to do one but would want to do it at, at like a later later time just wasn't in the the idea of the cards for this one right uh, well uh, i was looking at that website you mentioned uh, and said recently wrapped productions 2021 Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Yes. Yeah, that was so I'm like, okay, so the next uh Aquaman movie was uh, yeah should be coming soon. Or, partially filmed there, yeah. But yeah, so apparently I guess Jason Momoa spends a lot of time on that island because uh he was also in an episode of he's also in it gonna be an episode of Magnum PI. Okay. So yeah, I was like, oh well, that's that's kind of kind of cool, like super so, fun. So wait, Aquaman would then be canon in Magnum PI? Yeah. Well, well speaking of uh, actors being canon in TV shows, did you see the preview for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special? I did, I did, yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. So uh, I got to try kayaking. That was fun. Did you use uh, Google Directions to kayak back to the uh, continental United States? No, no, definitely not at all. Oh, uh, uh, just, just saw Aquaman and Lost Kingdom release date Christmas next year. So there it is. Nice. We um we were given like a here's your boundary as to how far you're allowed to go or whatnot. Right. But I got but I was pretty far out. Like I was actually pretty far out from the shore. Okay. Uh, and it was pretty cool. It was fun, kind of fun getting to like kayak on the ocean. Oh, uh, uh, people from the shore are probably watching and saying, "Look at that buoy go." Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I, I get to look at a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. I get to try a Locomoco, which was kind of fun. Uh, that's unique uh, for the people at, at home that don't know what a Locomoco is. Uh, so imagine a bed of rice and then imagine a hamburger steak and then two eggs, however you want them cooked. Yeah. And then gravy. And that's a Locomoco. And I swear to God, I got this Locomoco. And so they got these stores that are all around the city. And there was one right down from our from our resort. Then they're um, little little kitschy convenience stores. They're called ABC stores. Yeah. They're, they're liquor stores slash you know souvenirs slash whatever. The one down near us had a full deli in the back where you could just go get food. And I was like, oh, they have a Locomoco on their the on their. I want I've been wanting to try one. Like let's 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 do this. And I had posted a picture of this Locomoco on Twitter, and it's just like this thing is massive, and it's like. The, and then like one of those styrofoam, like, you know, kind of like what you get at like a restaurant kind of, kind of thing containers. Right. And it's heavy as hell. And like, and it's like the rice and the, the hamburger and like the two eggs. And I'm just like, oh my God, this thing is like, it's like super heavy. It's 10 bucks <laughs> for this Locomoco. And I was just like, all right then. And that was the cool thing about it was that the food prices really weren't that expensive. Like not really like. You know, you think like, oh man, it's you're going, you went to Hawaii, man. Like it's probably real expensive. You know, the food's probably real expensive, and it really wasn't. Actually, wasn't that much more expensive than it was here? To well, like, I mean, the the more you the more you save on food, more or less, uh, the more you'll be able to spend on other stuff. So right, exactly. Kind of yeah, 
Oh. I think we spent more in California than anything. <laughs> did you uh, did you find any shops that sell Magic the Gathering out there? There are a couple. We didn't get around to them. Um, okay. But there are a couple. Actually, there was an LGS, actually, like in downtown Honolulu that I thought about trying to swing by because I thought that would have been kind of fun. But uh, we didn't have, we only had the car for like the first three nights. So we had the car, we were got there on Tuesday. We had the car from Tuesday until Friday morning. Yeah. And uh, Friday morning, my daughter went with my mother and father-in-law to Pearl Harbor. Okay. And then they went from Pearl Harbor to drop the car off and then took the bus back to the resort. So. um, Could could you imagine going into a Magic Gathering store or people talking about legacy (laughs) <laughs> and like, yeah, I read in Hawaii, guy, right? I read this guy Joe Dyer's articles in Hawaii. You know, right? Yeah, that, that would have been kind of funny. Um, anyway, I didn't get. We didn't get to anywhere in California either, and it's kind of sad because, like, obviously, like we were in California, it, we were in Anaheim, so um, like it was basically just impossible to like hook up with like anybody that was actually that I actually work with. Because yeah. uh, I think even Krim is now out of that area. I think he's up north, closer north too. Yeah. Uh, Richard is cl- up north. It's like a six-hour drive to where Ooh. he's at from Anaheim. So, because I asked him, I was like, I was like, what part of California are you in? And he's like, oh, I'm like north of that. And he's like, he's like, it's like a six-hour drive. It's not really worth it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, Especially when you factor in that's a six-hour drive without traffic. Yeah, I was saying uh, <laughs> a six-hour drive in Anaheim probably gets you. 30 miles. It's probably, it's probably Where ten, six hours. Yeah, yeah, it was probably, probably 10 hours. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we drove up to so the the one the one free day that we had there, we drove up to the Funko Hollywood store. Okay. Uh, which is on Hollywood Boulevard. So we drove up to Hollywood Boulevard. And um it took us like an hour and a half to get there, probably. Yeah. There and about an hour and a half back or so just because of traffic and uh but uh that was a cool experience that was that was a fun store i want to go back to that store that was uh super neat uh they have all sorts of cool uh they have lots of decoration decorative things that you could take pictures of and take pictures with right uh like big giant funkos and all that sorts of stuff um really really unique looking place um and then you might you probably might have seen some of the pictures we put that my wife posted because yeah yeah of the place yeah they have like really big stuff they have a um a thing where you can uh build your own it's like it's not like build your own but basically design your own and they they make it up for you uh but you can build your own uh funko pop nice uh for like 25 bucks like 25 bucks you get to go you get you on the screen and you pick all your options whatnot and they're not like 3D printing these there or anything like that. They just have the bases and they just, they just attach everything. Yeah. Uh, but so you're able to make your own Funko Pop. So we made Funko nice. Pops of our of ourselves. We have Funko Pops of ourselves, you know, and it's right. it's kind of cool. Like it was kind of a unique thing. They didn't have lightsabers. Uh, they've had them before apparently, but they didn't have lightsabers. And I was kind of annoyed. I was just like, all right, well, here's this thing that kind of looks like a lightsaber. And man, figure out, oh, it's a wand. Like it's it's a wand, but it has like the same basic model of as the lightsaber. So, but it's just like uncolored. So we're like, yeah, we can just paint it. <laughs> like uh, I have figured out already, I can't take mine out of the box and set it up up somewhere unless it's resting against something that pr- keeps it propped up. Because uh, with the ponytail in yeah. the back of the hair, it's a little too top heavy. Uh, and so uh, I was just like, oh well, the <laughs> but uh, super. Super fun. It was a very unique 
experience. Uh, very unique store. A uh, lot of lot of Funko Pops. Saw so many Funko Pops. Yeah, like anytime that I go to just like Jungle Gyms has a section has yeah Pops, yeah yeah yeah, and I'm like, man, there's so many Funko Pops. But then you know, like what you're saying and describing, yeah, there's uh way more. Yeah, well, and it's funny because we saw some at the Jungle Gyms today that we didn't see at um the Funko store even. So like huh. that was kind of fun. I was like, oh neat. Like didn't see these ones there. Like that's kind of cool. And but uh yeah, some of them, some really, really neat Funko Pops. Like uh my mother-in-law bought the they had a set that is the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> she bought that. And um uh, yeah, so yeah, it's just neat stuff. And Funko also owns uh there's a uh brand of uh basically they make small backpacks and they make um like wallets and stuff like that so they have they own a brand called Loungefly uh and they like i said it's basically what they do they make like these backpacks and they make you know wallets and they make body bags and like all sorts you know crossover bags and all sorts you know all sorts of stuff like that but they're all officially licensed things so they make stuff for like Disney and they make stuff for all sorts of various um properties star wars marvel you know you name it they 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 you name it there probably is a, a lounge fly that exists for it magic and the gathering no no yeah yeah that's i will say that's the one that's probably not yeah um but so my wife is a huge fan of uh, a goofy movie the original uh a goofy movie with uh goofy and his son max Okay, and so they had one there that is uh, a goofy movie, and it has like all the characters on it, and it has like power line, and like it's it's really really cool, like very very unique backpack. Uh, and then she bought an Avatar um, Legend of Korra one as well, so that was pretty cool. They have some interesting Star Wars ones, uh, and the ones that actually kind of caught my eye is they have they had a um star wars droids droids you know the cartoon show remember the yeah. cartoon show droids the boba fett the oh, that blue wow. you know yellow boba oh, fett. from um well he his first appearance was also during the star wars holiday special yes, yes. Yep. but uh, uh which by the way uh happy blade life day yeah there, happy everybody. happy life day yep yep that was yes our thursday Yep. That was his Thursday, yeah. So they have uh, they have that. They have a, a a backpack that has that. That's basically like you look at the backpack, and the the back of the backpack is is his, you know, like kind of like his his mask, right? And, and like the, the chest piece or whatnot. But it's from Star Wars droids, and they also have a Star Wars um, droids and Ewoks bag as well. Uh, so they have a kind of a combination droids and Ewoks bag uh, as well. Because if I remember right. Uh, droids takes place after Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and uh, Boba Fett climbing out of the Sarlacc pit first happened in Droids. Yes, yes, yeah. So that was kind of funny. Yeah. But the, but then I also got caught off guard by the fact that they actually have um, Star Wars: The High Republic merchandise. So they actually had a Star Wars: The High Republic uh, one of the comic covers uh, backpacks. And I was like, oh, oh, well, oh as far, uh, for the comic. Yeah. I was yeah. like, for the show, it's no, quite no, a bit early for that. No, 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 no. They had actually had, yeah, the comic, one of the comic book. Yeah. And then yeah. it's got like, um, it's the, co- it's the, actually had the comic. Uh, cause I got it from the library. It's, uh, the, the first issue is called There Is No Fear. And it's got, um, Jedi Master Skier 
on it. Uh, Jedi Keith Trennis and Jedi Master Avar Chris on it. Yeah, you and should put that up to the camera for our audio <laughs> Skier is the the Trandoshan. Oh, nice. Uh, so he's a he's a Trandoshan Jedi, and uh, yeah, he's interesting. Actually, a very interesting character. Uh, so I was like, I was like, oh, cool. There's like actual like Star Wars: The High Republic merchandise now. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, because yeah. from what I'm understanding, uh, the next Disney Plus uh, show uh, after Andor is done will be uh, Mandalorian season three. Is it before Ahsoka? Yeah, yeah before Ahsoka. Then we'll get Ahsoka. Then we'll get Bad Batch season two. Then there's rumor that we may get High Republic stuff. Yeah, or, or I was it, uh, um, the Star Wars Acolyte. I think it is. Uh, no, it's Eclipse. I think is what it's called. Or no, no it, Acolyte. No, it is Acolyte. Yeah, yeah. I say Eclipse. I think is that video game. Or whatever. Yes, 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 yes. So Star Wars Acolyte. Yeah, yeah. And Acolyte is supposed to. Yeah, the Acolyte is supposed to be a High Republic set. You know, show. So I'm like, hmm, okay. I'm kind of looking forward to that because uh, the High Republic stuff. It's actually just really cool. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of curious to who who they're gonna focus on from a character standpoint because they haven't said who's who plays who or anything well, like that. Well, don't ask Twitter because you yeah, know, you'll you'll get some pretty terrible. Well, it's like Amanda Steinberg is in it. Well, okay, if Amanda Ste- okay Amanda 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 Steinberg is in it. Um, she was the girl that played Rue in the Hunger Games. Um, I could definitely just kind of based on looking at her. And looking at Keith Trennis, she could probably be playing Keith Trennis. Which if she's playing Keith Trennis, that means we get to see Skier, and that would be cool. I'm looking at this here, uh, just in general about just in general about the High Republic, not necessarily like this particular show. Uh, this is two centuries prior to uh, Episode One. Phantom yes, Man. yes. So, oh, actually, yeah. well, it depends. It depends because there's two different phases of it now. Uh, okay. So I think the first phase takes place. You see, now I have to make, make me. Sorry, uh, no. Yeah, you're fine. yeah. There, there's phase one. There's light of the Jedi. Yeah. There's phase two, quest of the Jedi. So yeah, I'm I'm not worried about it right now. We'll we'll see what happens when we yeah. get there, and they may split those up in the seasons to show those. Phases, I think I think I think um, that the oh, yeah. um, the first phase, the light of the Jedi, takes place about a hundred years before. Okay, uh, and then supposedly the second phase which is quest of the jedi takes place about uh 100 to 200 years before that so they're kind of going backward in time a little bit to kind of show some uh i think they're kind of trying to show some setup that led to the current state of things uh for the high republic in the first phase but i I gotta say like that that first book I, i i don't know what i was expecting i guess uh when i picked up the first book of the high republic stuff which is uh, the first book is basically is literally just called The Light of the Jedi. Uh, and that very first book, wow. Uh, I I cannot say, you know, how much, how tense that first book is just in the very first, like, third of the book. Uh, like, you get it, though, you're like, start reading that book and you're like, okay, wait a minute, I'm hooked now. Like, wait a minute. Like, this is just absolutely nuts uh, because it has to do with a, a ship that um, breaks up in hyperspace. Yeah. And it starts spitting debris out into different locations and across different systems. And of course, you know, it's coming out of hyperspace and coming back into real space at really, really, really high speeds that are basically incredibly catastrophic to whatever they would hit. And the whole like third of the first third of the book is them trying to figure out how to basically how to stop, you know, how, how to, how to, 
reroute or stop things from hitting things. And it's well, just incredibly tense. Well, it seems dangerous. Uh, was it that hard for them to figure it out? Super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Yeah, no, I'm nice. just kidding. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, all, all they did was take it. All they did was have Ava Chris pull her magic powers and, you know, because, you know, she's magic. But it, it was it's cool. Like, and it's it's neat to see, like, really interesting Jedi. Um, there's a character in these books uh, whose name is, um, her. she's uh, a Wayseeker Jedi. Her name is Orla Gerani. Yeah. And she has a she has a dual bladed lightsaber, but then she can take her dual bladed lightsaber and attach it together so both blades are side by side and she can hold it like that. Oh too. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> like very unique. Like yeah, because oh, uh uh Dark Ray kind of had that. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's maybe where they got the idea from. I'm not sure. Probably. Like, I, I think maybe, but uh yeah, like they've got but they've got like characters that are like they've got this like again they've got a Trandoshan Jedi which is just kind of wild you know I don't think we've ever seen a Trandoshan Jedi no I, I know before. I have right and so and Skier is pretty cool um, they have a character who is basically a set of uh, they are they are both Jedi and they are both a set of uh, soul bonded twins uh, so they functionally share the same soul but they have two okay. different bodies uh, which is uh, Seret and Tarek. Because, you know, C-E-R-E-T and then T-E-R-E-C. It's, it's Tomax and Zaymod all over again. Right. So, yeah. And it's cool. It's like they're really interesting characters as well. So, and, and then the the bad guys. I think, honestly, I think the way that, the what made this, what makes all this stuff I've been reading really good has been the bad guys more than anything. Because I think, like, you can have, like, cool stories. But I think if you have really, really lame bad guys, I think they just kind of, it can, they can make things fall flat. Uh, yeah. And the bad guys that they created for the High Republic area are a basically a, a raider, uh, a space marauder raider group uh, called the Nihil that are basically just like basically like space raiders. But they have this ability to travel through hyperspace lanes that are seem impossible for ships to travel through because they have access to a um, a person who was part of a family of hyperspace pioneers that can basically plot uh, in her mind hyperspace routes. And so she's, but she's like ancient at this point. Like she's like hundreds of years old <laughs> or whatnot. And the family that she comes from doesn't even know that they, these people have her. Like she's like basically been captured by the, by this group for for like several hundred years and they don't even realize that she's gone, that she, they know she's gone, but they don't know where she went. And she's just like, kind of like a supercomputer. Like they, they have her hooked up to all this machinery and stuff like that. And she's just spitting out hyperspace lanes for them to travel through. So they're able to make just really, really absurdly stupid, you know, hyperspace jumps. Like, oh, uh, you know, we just hyperspaced our entire fleet right into the gravity well of a planet. You can't normally do that. Uh, no. Right, but they can because this this old lady can see, you know, the calculations needed to do that. And that's, it's it's fucked up, but it's cool. It's, it's pretty neat. Okay. So, yeah, it's, a, it's I'm, I'm really excited about the Ooh. whole thing. It's, it's a really, really super sweet uh, media project. And I think they're eventually getting there. I think they're going to get to the point there where they are going to get people interested enough in it to where they're going to know who the characters are. And that's where we're going to start getting more uh, content with it. Right. 
right now. Let's hope so anyway. I mean, sure, I know there are people probably sick of Star Wars at the point, but... I'm definitely not sick of Star Wars at this uh, point. (laughs) If they can find a way to (laughs) capture some of that magic of of episodes four, five, and six without having to dip into the the Skywalker saga... God, I hope not. Yeah, I don't want to touch the Skywalker saga with a 40-foot pole right like not at all i did not even post really like i posted like one or two like a couple pictures from uh from disneyland yeah but like and honestly i because i i had to post the one um obviously like so one of the cool things about uh batu west which is uh disneyland's version of galaxy's edge yeah is that they are starting to play with the lines of characters in that in that particular park uh what i mean by that is that instead of just focusing on the resistance era characters they are starting to introduce characters from other eras uh and like lumia no damn no uh they started this with uh everybody's favorite tatooine daimo uh boba fett and fennec shand right yeah and so uh, i did get a chance to see boba fett and that was cool that was Absolutely, like one of the most fucking cool things I've ever had happen was getting to see Boba Fett up and close. Like that was that was badass. Um, and then Friday, yesterday, uh, was their official. Uh, so I wasn't there, obviously, on Friday. <laughs> we were one week too early. Um, but uh, Friday, uh, November eighteenth, at this point, uh, was their official opening of uh Din Djarin and Grogu at the park. Oh, neat. Yeah. Super cool looking. And it was neat because they brought him in with um Boba Fett. So him, both him and Boba Fett walking side by side into his first introduction to the park. And oh, I was just like I, mean, I was like, oh my God. Like I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it, it, you know, you can't do it any other way. No. And they and they are more than likely never to do this at Walt Disney World's version of Batu. Sure. Uh, I think it's going to be something that they're only going to do in Disneyland because I think if they're going to do something at at Florida, at Disney World, I think that they are going to do more of that at the Galactic Star Cruiser than they are going to do in the park. Oh, yeah. They put so much money in that thing, of course. Yep. yep. So I think that's where it's going to end up being. But in Disneyland, they can't do that. They're just going to have, they're going to have the, they're going to have the baby. Right. Oh my God. That was so cool. I'm going to see in the pictures. I'm just like, oh my God. He's in like a nap. He's got like a knapsack off his side or whatever. And Grogu's riding in his knapsack. And I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. And he like moves and it's like fully animatronic. He moves and he makes noises. And I'm just like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, dear God. And it was cool because Boba Fett, like when I, so I got lucky. I was like super lucky. Um, we were talking about it. Uh, my, I was talking about with my mother-in-law. We were sitting outside of the Droid Depot. Uh, my wife was in the Droid Depot building a droid. My father-in-law and my daughter were in the, the Droid Depot building a droid. And uh, we were talking about, I was like, because we saw some some Stormtroopers game walk by. And uh, we had some choice moments with Kylo Ren. Uh, <laughs> Kylo, Kylo Ren approached my mother-in-law and tried to, uh, tried to uh, ask for her services in building droids to aid the First Order which was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was kind of adorable. Uh, and, um, but we were talking about, it's like, it's like, you know, I kind of figured that the way that they're doing it and it does make sense 
they're probably not going to have the old era characters on the planet at the same time that any of the resistance era characters are out and about because they don't yeah yeah they they're still not going to break that con or whatnot and uh we were talking about it and i was like is this too bad we can get to see boba fett today or like fennec and like when some guy was walking by and he goes uh he goes i just heard boba fett's like up around near across from rana roasters like if you want to get up there to see him and i was like oh shit i so i told brenda she's like yeah go ahead and go and he, i'm like i ran up there and he was literally like basically getting ready to walk off and he talked and everything and i was like i got a picture of him and i was like oh god this is so cool like and like even like, like the, his handler was like our lord boba fett has to go you know he has an important mission he has to get to we must leave or whatever and i was like oh my god like they're really treating him like the daimyo like that's too Wait. cool like <laughs> It was so cool. I was like, oh my God, this is so wild. Like, awesome. um, we did manage to actually get into Oga's Cantina. Yeah. While we were there, that was cool. Uh, I got to try basically what is most, basically the most interesting drink I've ever had. Uh, so it's basically like a fuzzy navel. Uh, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, kind of like peachy kind of thing. Was it java uh, juice? No, no, no. So it's, it's a basically a fuzzy navel, which is kind of like a peach schnapps, like uh, vodka drink. Uh, but they have this, but it's they call it the fuzzy tauntaun. Mm. Uh, but the thing that makes it interesting is that there's a the, there's a foam on the top of it, right? That tingles and numbs you as you're drinking. So where does it smell worse, on the inside or the outside? Uh, it was actually pretty good. So it, it has vodka, it has peach vodka, and like peach schnapps and orange juice and the the foam yeah and the foam is a weird like sensation like it tingles like your it, like it tingles your mouth yes uh and it also like numbs you huh. as you're drinking it like it's weird it's a weird sensation it's the oddest thing i've ever drank um but they had to take it off the they actually had to take it off the menu for a while because yeah. um they had to retool the formula for the the foam uh and it was because apparently they had were using a um they were using a uh a flower that was called that was uh it's called buzz buttons i think they were called it was like either buzz buttons electric daisies or whatever it's like it's a very interesting flower that basically has that effect you crush it up and you put it you know on you know your tongue or whatever it will numb you uh does it give you the powers of the black panther no uh, no, unfortunately, no. But uh, so yeah, they they made this. But apparently, I guess they said that the flower itself was actually like going extinct, and that they needed to like rain back for rain back, you know, their stuff on it. Yeah, and they wanted to um, retool the formula so they didn't have to use that that plant anymore. Or okay. It was it was wild. It was a really wild drink. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to get out there and check out all that stuff one day. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm sure they'll add and adjust or do different things uh, when I, I get out there than, than what you saw. But still, I know. would go back. To, I would go back to Disneyland. Absolutely, I would go back to Disneyland, and I would go back for Batu because yeah, uh, I, I I would need to make it uh, an event, something I would have to fly to because uh, yeah, obviously not going to drive. Um, I would not drive to LA because I, I I don't know I don't know how people fly, dude. Because I looked at flights to Minneapolis for uh, MagicCon. That's something we probably could have talked about but didn't. Um, we'll save yeah. that for next time. Uh, I saw flights that were like, all right, cool. You want to go there? We're going to go to Atlanta first. 
and then we're going to go to Minneapolis. I'm like, that's stupid. And it's like, we're going to go to Chicago. Then we're going to go to Minneapolis. And like the length of that flight was like longer than it would take for me to drive. And I'm like, no. I yeah, just, I, I, honestly, I, I the website. <laughs> honestly, I would not worry about that too much. Um, it's it actually is kind of nice to have layovers uh, in places. It works out pretty well. I, I've uh, never I've never flown. I would yeah. be worried that I would miss my flight on a, a layover stop. Yeah. So it, it screw it, things up. The cool thing about that is like 90 percent of the time your layover flight is going to be in the same just in direct gate area based on where you're flying who you're flying with yeah um i definitely recommend we flew southwest the entire time okay. i definitely recommend flying southwest uh it was actually really super super great and they did a really good job and i was not upset with any of the flights so definitely recommend that and we really only had one layover where we had to kind of like kind of book it to get to the gate because the it was like a two-hour layover but it was in another section oh. or whatnot. So like, it was like, okay, well we're here for two hours, but, and that was when we were coming back. Cause when we were, we flew into Vegas, uh, we were in our, our gate that we flew into was gate C. I think it was gate C and we had to go over to gate A whatever hmm. for the, um, for our second flight. And we're like, okay, well we'll get there in time, but it was a hike. Like it was yeah. not a, not a short distance, but we no. got there with plenty of time, but it was like, still like, Oh, well we do have to kind of move. Yeah. Like, you want to make sure you get there first before you right. sit down and relax. Really? The, really the biggest thing about flying is understanding that every, every time you go through it, your TSA checkpoint, it's going to be different. Yeah. Uh, and just basically just kind of do the best you can and do what they tell you to do. Okay. <laughs> like that's really basically what it boils down to. Like, there's some that are like, you know, oh, you know, everybody has to take their shoes off or only kids, only kids don't have to take their shoes off. Or um, we went through one, the one we went through in Hawaii to go in Honolulu International to go back to, L, um, or no, it wasn't, no, it was, no, it was LAX. It was LAX. When we flew out of LAX back to, to back home, um, we didn't have to take out any of our big electronics, like my daughter's uh, Chromebook for school and like the tablets or anything like that because sure. the line we went through had a uh like a um special like scanner on it that would scan that kind of stuff so you didn't have to take it out to show them or whatnot uh so yeah it was it's basically just like kind of get used to the fact that like if you're gonna fly when you go through tsa just do whatever they tell you to do and you know you can do all the research you can on the normal kind of things that they're normally going to ask you to do Right. But then there's always going to be tiny quirks to each one that they're going to ask you and just say yes and do them. Like I, I would probably say, well, Simon didn't say. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. Yeah, no. don't, don't do that. My father-in-law has, um, he has plastic suspenders that okay. are supposed to be like sort of like TSA compliant. Yeah. So you don't have to take them off or whatnot. And when we flew out of Indianapolis, they didn't say a thing to him about oh. that, but going through um honolulu back and from lax they had him take them off uh, even though they were plastic uh and you know obviously he's not gonna he's like i'm not gonna argue with the guy like it's you know, he says to do it you know right you do it like <laughs> it just is what it is so yeah basically just learn that they're all a little different and uh just do what they say and that's probably the best way to get around it because that's the quickest way to get through tsa 
let's just okay. do what they say. So okay. uh, uh, that's that's completely reasonable and uh, yeah. some, something to keep in mind if I yeah. ever do decide to fly. Yeah. So all right. Well, we should probably wrap up here. Uh, Scott, yeah. Scott Scott looks tired. So I am too tired. So sleepy. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Let's, Sorry. Let's, let's wrap up. No, it's fine. All right. So um, we'll start by having Scott tell us where people can find him on the internet. If oh. uh, tw- Twitter still exists in a week. If it still exists in a week, uh, you can find me at MTG Pack Coils on Twitter, uh, and I you can interact with me there. It's where I would be active more often than any other social media platform. Uh, now that Joe is back from vacation, he's going to be writing some articles. Uh, where can they find your work? Dear God, you're reminding me I need to email my article titles. To <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that yet. I'm like, crap. Uh, yeah, whoops, so you, whoopsie, you're fi- whoops. you're, you could find me hopefully on Twitter at some point at VorathXP. Uh, in case Twitter does upload uh, implode, um, but you can also find me on uh, MTG Goldfish for this weekend Legacy and Vintage One Hundred One, and yeah, uh, you can find the cast at the Astrolab Cast on Twitter. Hopefully, if Twitter isn't dead, uh, and then uh, yeah, that's about it. So thanks everybody, and we'll see you guys next time, and have a good week for the horde. <laughs>